Welcome to Study with Steph, episode three. Um, if you have joined us in the past, um, you know that we've covered specifics of the CTS and the CTS exam. Uh, but this time we are jumping into content. So the things that this exam says it's going to cover. Um, this is going to follow chapter three, kind of loosely, but it's going to follow chapter three of the CTS Certified Technology Specialist Exam Guide. As usual, I am following this sort of loosely, but following it. Um, and I had a lot of trouble with this subject. I felt somewhat confident about the test until I got to chapter three, which is the difference between digital and analog signals. It seems like it would be easy, but you know, I don't think that it is. So I invited an expert on with me today. His name is Tom Kerr. He knows his stuff. He has a CTSI, a CTSD. He is a lead green associate. So he really knows his stuff um, and he specializes in teaching AV math. So I figured he would be a really great person to teach me a little bit more and kind of help me understand things like bit rate and bit depth and not only putting formulas into perspective, but putting those concepts into perspective. Because unlike a lot of you, I'm not coming from experiences and in integrators. So I haven't had the real world application that a lot of you have. So if you know a lot of this stuff, feel free to skip around. I obviously didn't. I would like to thank Tom for having so much patience with me because I asked him a lot of really stupid questions. So I do appreciate that. Um, and he jumped right in with a presentation, so if you are listening to this via audio right now, it probably would be a little more useful to watch the video component instead. Um, that said, I think that you still can still get a lot of the audio version as well. Um, once again, thanks so much, Tom. I'm going to let you take it away right now. So in the beginning, we have analog, and we uh -huh. know how analog works. And you may have heard the terms compression and rarefaction in regards yes. to a loudspeaker? Okay. Yes. So with the sine wave here, imagine the loudspeaker, and this is time, that's what the horizontal line is, and mm -hmm. the vertical line here on the y-axis is amplitude. So imagine the loudspeaker pushing out and then coming back to its place of rest and continuing to go back, reaches the point there, and then, so this is compression and rarefaction. Compression and rarefaction, you know, pushing the molecules together, pulling them back apart. Okay. okay. Now our human hearing response, and you've probably heard this 20 Hertz to 20,000 Hertz. Sometimes we abbreviate that as 20 to 20 is what we do. Okay. And everything in nature is analog. Okay. So it's all going to start as analog. Okay. That's, that's kind of what the book said, because the book was like, think of it like we are analog creatures that live in a digital world. <laughs> And I we'll see about that. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> and it was like, if you don't understand what that means, then you need to study this chapter more. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess I really do need to study this chapter a little more. Okay. So everything that is like human based or like nature based is nature analog. based. It's all analog. Got it. So the microphone that I have here is analog. Okay. okay. And you would have heard the term transducer before. It converts acoustical energy into electrical energy. The loudspeaker is also a transducer. 
converts electrical energy to acoustic energy. So I'm going to pick up the signal here mm -hmm. with the little microphone. Whoops. Okay. So, and you would know microphones put out very little signal. So it's a right. low level signal. And then I go through my processors and all that kind of stuff and I amplify the signal. Okay. And out of the loudspeaker, I get a bigger bird, in other words. So okay. I amplified that sound. So this could, you know, could be a completely analog pathway. Or I can convert the output of that microphone to digital, do complete digital transport, and then at the loudspeaker, convert that digital signal back to analog. So to okay. do this, I need analog to digital converters. And on the other side, I need digital to analog converters. Okay. So even though, let's say I have a loudspeaker here with a Dante input, okay. which would be digital, right? Digital transport. Yes. It's still inside that loudspeaker going to convert that Dante signal back to analog to make the loudspeaker move back and forth. Okay. Why do you want to do that? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> um, analog has its downsides. The further mm -hmm. I push the signal, the more it's going to degradate. Distort, right? Not distort. Okay. But maybe it picks up noise. It's going to lose some energy. It's going to do all of those kinds of things. So the advantage with converting it to digital is that I can get the same thing out exactly that I put back into it. There's pluses and minuses to this. In audiovisual, you still get what you pay for. So if it's an inexpensive digital device, it's not going to sound as good as a much more expensive digital device. Okay. Just like with analog, I can have cheap analog that sounds not pleasing. Right. Or I can spend more money and make analog and analog can sound pretty good. Okay. So it's still related to cost, but the big kind of convenience to digital is just transport. Okay. So I can put a bunch of digital channels of analog audio on one single category cable. I don't have to run individual twisted pairs for each separate channel. So it's, we do it digitally by and large, just for convenience sake. Cool. Okay. So next question, if there are all these advantages to digital, why isn't everything just completely digital now? Is that a stupid question? Mm, no, not at all. Well, remember the microphone is still going to be analog. Loudspeaker is still going to be analog. And it, is the microphone always going to be analog because it's yes. picking up my voice because I, mm -hmm. I guess, am analog by that definition? Well, not only your analog, but the inner workings of the microphone are analog. It's just like a loudspeaker in reverse. Okay. It, it really is. Um, instead of outputting, it's inputting. Right. All right, with me so far? Yes, I'm with you. So here's another way to think about it. This is a monster receiver I've got downstairs. It dates from the late 70s. And if you think about the tuning dial on this, okay, I can tune anywhere along the dial that I wish. It's continuous. Okay. Okay. 
So I can be right on a station or I can be a little bit off on the station. I can tune anywhere along there I want. Okay. But then I've got this other receiver that's sitting in the living room and mm -hmm. you can see the tuning dial on this. It's digital. I can do 90.3 or I can do 90.5, 90.7, but I can't do anything in between. Got it. Okay. This is, this is a really good example for helping me like visualize this because I also have a receiver from the eighties versus a receiver mm -hmm. from like two years ago. So, okay. Yes. So you this can is think really of helpful. this as analog and continuous, yes. just like the sine wave form mm -hmm. that we saw versus discrete steps. Like Where this. it either is or it isn't. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I can either do 90.3 or 90.5. I can't do 90.4. Right. At least not here in the U.S. Got it. So those are basically my options. All right. So let's try another way to think about this. Okay. And this is an old illustration. So I've got a glass yep. and a glass of water. So as I go from source to destination, mm -hmm. this is continuous. It's a continuous flow from source to destination. Okay. Okay. Yes. This is different than with digital. And here I've got marbles. These are yes. discrete bits. So it's no longer continuous. This is going to be loud. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. As I go from source to destination, uh -huh. I do it in discrete bits. So it's no longer continuous. Got it. Okay. So those are just a couple of ways to kind of compare and contrast analog and digital. Okay. All right. So we can be completely analog here. Okay. Or we can be digital and in some of our, um, well, obviously it starts out as analog, it's going to end as analog. I can be a combination of digital and analog in between. All depends okay. on how things are set up. All right. So let's think of bits and digital. In digital with bits, mm -hmm. okay. I can only have two states, yes. off or on. That's it. And that's kind of like one or zero. That is one right. or zero. Okay. Got Absolutely. It. Got it. So zero right. and one. Okay. What if I have two bits? How many different states can I have? Is it four or yes. six? Four? Okay. Four. We can walk them through. I have off off or zero zero. I can have zero one. I can have one one and I can have one zero. Got it. So if yes. I have two bits, I have four possible states. So with the single bit, I would say this is two to the one. I don't know Got if you've it. dealt with exponents before. This gets into some of the math. You know, in my, in my school days, it's been yeah. a while. <laughs> uh, that's fine. Here's an easy one. I can write out 10 plus 10 plus 10, and that equals? 10 to the power of 3. Mm. Right? No. Nope. That's not multiplication. 10 plus 10. 30. Yeah. Or I can use multiplication as a shortcut. Right. Addition in the same way. 10 times 10 times 10. That's... Now that's 10 to the power of 3. Right. Okay. I'm using exponents as a shortcut. 
for multiplication. Okay. So this is two to the one. I have two possible states. Now I have two to the two, which is also known as two times two, four possible four. states. Okay. What if I had 16 switches? That would two be two to the power of 16, yeah. Uh-huh. How many possible states could I have? And the way I do this on the TI-30, which is the calculator used for the exam, here's a little caret key. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So two caret symbol to the 16th. So two to the 16th. I can have 65,536 possible states. Awesome. Okay. Okay. This is, and this is how many bits there are? Well, that. how many bits there are is 16. Okay. But that, so like, what does the 65,000? Amplitude. Right? Okay. Instead of being continuous, like water, in mm -hmm. 16 bit, I only have only 65,536 possible states. States. Okay. To express that amplitude. I'm with you. <laughs> so it's no longer infinite. Yes. Like you would you have. You only yet. have 65,536 options. Right. Got yep. it. So let's get into sampling rate. So we okay. did bit depth. Yes. How many possible states we have for amplitude. When we get into a sample rate, so what is the amplitude at this point in time? Remember the x-axis was time? Mm -hmm. So at this point in time, as compared to this point in time, what's the amplitude? And the sample rate is how many times we measure the amplitude of the waveform per second. So CD audio, you remember compact disc? Mm -hmm. The sample rate there, 44,100 times per second we are okay. taking a sample or a snapshot in time of that analog waveform so this is how many times a second we're measuring the amplitude got it and cd audio 16 bit so have you got that so far yes okay so over forty-four thousand times per second we are selecting or hitting one of those 65,000 states. Okay. And at the end, when we go back from digital to analog, it's going to try and recreate that original analog waveform. So that we start sense. out as analog. Mm -hmm. We bust up this sine wave or this waveform into time and bit depth. And at the end, we take that time and bit depth and we try and reconstruct the original analog waveform. So the math with this, okay, and stereo would be two channels left and right. So 44,100 times your bit depth plus the two channels of left and right. This gets you your bit rate. So 1,411,200 bits per second or what you probably often see is 1411.2 kilobits Kilobit per, per second. second. So that's the bit rate. Got it. That is the audio bit rate for CD. And it's been around a long time. Okay. Let's try 
let's say professional audio and some of okay. this has kind of it's more like a 48,000 sample rate okay and 24 bit depth okay so still the math is the same okay still going to do stereo so two channels so still your sample rate times your bit depth times the left and right got it but when it's in mono it's just that two is replaced by one okay that's correct yeah mm -hmm. okay got it remember when the original ipod came out i think the yes. storage on that was like depending on which model the ipod won either five gigabit or yeah. 10 gigabit yeah and you're like oh you put 200 songs on it <laughs> yeah well you're not going to do that uncompressed yes so you're going to compress it. And when there's two different types of compression, and this is true of both audio and video. Oh, yes, I think I know this one. It's lossless and lossy, right? Right. Look at me. Okay. Yeah, good. <laughs> so with lossy compression, you'll never, ever, ever going to get back to the original. Because with okay. lossy, you've had to toss some of the information. Okay. And once you toss it, there's no way to get it back. Got it. Is MP3 the compressed version? Yes. Well, okay. you can actually, depending on your setting, you could do MP3 uncompressed. Okay. But nobody ever did. Right. Okay. And how what, did MP3 typically sound? I mean, not that great, right? <laughs> Me being I a mean, little depending, more... depending on how close you're listening, like it, it was fine. Yeah, convenience took place over fidelity. Right. The convenience of being able to put all those songs on one little device and have it with you. Yes. So if you're not an audiophile, it sounded good. Right. Yep. I wouldn't do it, but you've also discovered where people have rediscovered LPs. Yeah. Okay, obviously this is an analog format. Right. Okay, so it's like, wow, LPs sound really great. Well, they can, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, as compared to an MP3, because an MP3, depending on what, what kind of um, bit rate you get down to, it could be compressing at like a 10 to one compression rate. Okay. So 10 to one, you're taking 10 gallons and transporting it using a one gallon bucket. Right. You're losing nine gallons. Got it. You're not gonna get the nine gallons back. <laughs> Got it, they're gone. Yeah. Yep, absolutely gone. Okay, so that's the whole audio part of it. Part of it. Okay. Let's go over to um, video. And the numbers here get enormous. Now, one of the differences, and we're in a, have been for a while, a digital video world. Yes. It's not like an old camera that would be analog or film or something like that. You're dealing with pixels and yes. those are fixed numbers. You're not going to get any more. You're not going to get any less. Okay. So if I have a video camera that's HD, mm -hmm. you have... 1920 pixels horizontally, 1080 pixels vertically. So you've, it's a fixed number of pixels. Right. So that's already in essence, digital. 
Yes. So at this pixel, you're getting brightness and color information. And then you okay. go over to the next pixel and you're going to get color and brightness information. So it's already discrete steps, mm -hmm. but it's pixels. So you would know 4K or UHD, right? You would know right. the resolution there, 3840 by 2160. That's not the whole story. There's okay. actually pixels that aren't visible to you that carry information. These are known as the blanking intervals, and it's a leftover from the days of analog television. So instead of having 3840 by 2160, the information is actually 4400 by 2250. Okay. But the pared now, down version is just the ones that I can actually. Yeah, register. this is what you're seeing. These, this is what you look at the spec sheets and all the other kind of stuff. All and right. What's the native resolution? Yes. Yeah, that's not the whole story. Now, I would not expect anyone at CTS level to remember that 3840 by 2160 really is 4400 by 2250. Okay. Okay. And we're going to refresh this information 60 times per second. Okay. So 60 times per second, I'm going to go through all of those pixels. And we have three channels. Okay. Do you remember the color difference signals? No. Mm, okay, let's try something. Okay. Because this is actually pertains to HDMI and our modern day video. You would know that the three primary colors are red, green, and blue, right? Right. And that's, that's what makes up a pixel. You have red, green, and blue pixels. Mm -hmm. But you're far enough back that you just see what is perceived to be just a continuous image. Unless you're really close to it, mm -hmm. um, you're not gonna see the individual pixel elements. Unless they get stuck on your TV, like mine are. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Love that for me. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but to transport all of my red, green, and blue information is gonna take a lot of bandwidth. Okay. So again, going back to how we transport signals and back to the days of analog. As it turns out, I am more sensitive to brightness than I am color information. Okay. But, mm, okay. So when we do our three channels of four, four, four for a sampling rate for video, mm -hmm. here we are measuring full luminance on the first one. Okay. And then we're going to do the um, red minus the luminance and the blue minus the luminance. In other words, this channel is going to carry all of my brightness information. Okay. And then I have two channels that carry my color information. This is okay. actually known as a color difference signal. What am I missing? I've got Red minus luminance, blue minus, what am I missing? Uh, green. Green. Yep. And this is how it's done basically mathematically. Because the full brightness information, in other words, how bright is that signal? Mm -hmm. Let's assign that a value of one. And then if I am measuring, and I'm trying to remember the percentages here, 0 0.11, uh, sorry, 0 0.30, is mm -hmm. red 
0 0.11 is blue. All right, so if I have 0.11 and I add 0.3, what's left over? Okay, so is that all gonna be assigned so to green? This is gonna be green, yeah, whatever's okay. left over, because this is always, the luminance is always gonna be a value of one. Okay. And then if I have 30% red, 11% blue, whatever is left over to make up that value of one has to be the green. Okay. So I don't need to transport the green. That's what right. it comes down to. So we're going to do this as a color difference signal. And that's what HDMI, that's one of the benefits of HDMI. Okay. So when we see a 444 sample rate, obviously we're sampling the luminance at full rate. Mm -hmm. And in this case with 444, we're sampling the color at the same rate as the luminance. Okay. But to get the bandwidth numbers down, I could sample the color at half the rate of the luminance. Okay. Or I could sample it at one fourth the rate of the luminance. How does that affect how it looks? Well, since we are more sensitive to brightness than we are color, this is obviously the best. This mm -hmm. isn't too bad. Things will get noticeable. Okay. Got it. Yeah. We're trying, one of the things, and you'll see the numbers here, is we're trying to get the bandwidth numbers down. Okay. Because trying to do digital video uncompressed requires a lot of throughput, a okay. lot of bits per second. All right. Got it. 3840 by 2160 is actually 4400 by 2250. 60 hertz refresh. We have our three channels, 8 bit color. So we'll start off with 8-bit color here. Okay. So we just start multiplying all this out. 4,400 by 2,250 by, there's our refresh rate, by okay. the three channels, the luminance and the color difference signals, with an 8-bit color depth. 14.3 gigabits per second. But guess what? More often than not, we're doing HDMI. Okay. And HDMI goes through a what's called an 8 to 10-bit conversion process. I've got to add another 1.25 for okay. the HDMI throughput. And you've probably seen this number before. Mm -hmm. Okay, for 4K, it requires 17.8 gigabits per second. Yes. And that's at full 444 sample rate. Okay. If I get down to a 411 mm -hmm. sample rate, that is half of that 17.8. And you will see this in specs. Oh, it's 4K ready and all the other kind of things. All right. Is that 4K at 444? Is that 4K at 420? Yeah. Is it 4K at 411? So 4K ready using what sample rate would be one of the questions. And also, are, yeah, and also are we doing like deep color and those kinds of things? Mm -hmm. You know, are we doing 10-bit color, 12-bit color? Which can okay. add a lot to the image, but what do you think it does to this number over here? Makes it even higher. <laughs> it's a lot more bits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, well, let's, let's do one. Okay. Let's do one. When in doubt, do the math. Right. Let's just do 10-bit color. Okay. Let's see where it comes out. Okay. So 4,400 times 2250 times 60. So we're still 60 hertz refresh. 
Mm -hmm. Okay, we're not a gamer at this point. Okay, no. 240 refresh or something crazy. <laughs> times the three channels times, let's go to 12-bit color. Okay. Okay. And if we're doing HDMI, another 1.25. Yeah. 26.7 gigabits per second. Okay. So yeah, I've added, because that's two more bits for the luminance and the color difference signals. Let's play with something else. Okay. Since we're playing with math. <laughs> we're doing eight bit color, two to the okay. eighth, right? Mm-hmm. So to do this on the calculator, two to the eighth. 256. 256. Yep. yep. So you've got 256 for red, 256 for green, 256 possible values for blue. Okay. So given the combinations, how many possible colors can be represented? 256. Did I have that right? 256 times three? That doesn't look right. Oh. To two, to six, yeah, to the power of three. There we go. Yep. Yeah, there you go. That looks right. <laughs> That's yeah. how many possible colors I can come up with with a right. color. If I did two to the 12th. Whoa. Then that's even more. 4096. Right. To the power of three. 96. Yeah. 496 for all of them. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> 68. Is that 68 million now? Is that where we are? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot more colors. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so that's one of the, when you get into the deep color and stuff, that's one of the things that really makes images stand out more. And I think Gary has some examples yeah. of color bit depth and how much more detail it brings to the image. Okay. Now imagine 4K, that's four times as much information as regular HD, right? Right. What if we go to 8K? then that is eight times as much information as HD. As regular HD, yeah. So if we started off with 4K, uh -huh. sorry, just get my taskbar back up here. That's 17.8 gigabits per second. We're going from 4K to 8K, four mm -hmm. times as much. 71.2 gigabits per second. Okay. 71 gigabit per second. <laughs> a lot of IT infrastructure mm -hmm. is still using one gigabit per second switches. Are you going to get 71 gigabit over a one gigabit switch? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what would they need? Do they just need to get a new switch? Well, let's say they go ahead and do an upgrade. Okay. And they want to do, and they go to 10 gigabit per second switches. 
Mm-hmm. So they've gone from one gigabit switch. It's now a 10 gig switch. Am I going to get uncompressed 8K through a 10 gig switch? Probably not, right? No. 70, 71 gigabit. And that's how many that you need to get per second. So the switch is still not going to allow that to happen. If I were going to do uncompressed, yes. Okay. Got it. So this is why I can go down to a big box store today Mm -hmm. and go buy a brand new 8K television, come Mm -hmm. home, plug it in, and I have no 8K content to plug into it. Right. Okay. Because I need an interface. If I'm going to do it uncompressed. Mm-hmm. up to 71 gigabit per second got you so even coming off a dvd mm-hmm. you know to your to your television or whatever that's still compressed has to be just because there's not enough storage room on a dvd right all right so let's kind of summarize this up with some comparisons between the sounds whole good and digital. all right so analog and digital with analog it's continuous mm-hmm. digital it's discrete And with continuous, we mean an amplitude and frequency. In digital, it's going to be bit depth and sample rate. Now, when we talk about bandwidth, in analog, we're talking about frequency response, that 20 to 20 kind of thing, that would be Mm -hmm. bandwidth. In digital, when we speak about bandwidth, we're talking about throughput, bits per second, megabits per second, gigabits per second. So that's in relation to bandwidth. I wanted to ask if sampling rate is the same thing as the refresh rate. Mm -mm. No. Okay. Refresh rate is how many times per second do I draw the screen? Okay. Got you. So Um, I'm watching television at 60 Hertz per second. mm -hmm. I am every second. I am seeing 60 images within that second. The entire Mm -hmm. image is being refreshed 60, 60 times per second. Okay, got you. The reason it's settled in in 60, uh, at 60 hertz for a refresh mm-hmm. is that's our power line frequency. Okay. 60 hertz, your 120 volt AC is 60 hertz. Okay. And this goes back to the black and white to color. Right. Back in the 50s with NTSC. Got you. Okay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so refresh rate is what is measured in hertz. Hertz is always cycles per second or frequency. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sample rate, same thing, but that's telling you how many times per second you're taking a snapshot of the waveform. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. All right. I think that was all of my questions. So this was this was really, really helpful. I really, really appreciate it, Tom. Thank you so much for taking the time. Sure, out of your hit me to... up anytime. <laughs> I appreciate it for explaining this to me. As you can see, I needed uh, quite a bit of help. So yeah, um, I'll be posting this for every for other people to reference as well. I, I can't be the only one who's had trouble understanding this, hopefully. Um, but thanks again. I really, really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me on. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Study with Steph, cause she's the best.